0: see you today. We're thankful for the good crowds that we've been having. Our numbers have kind of been going up and thankful to see uh, many of you here. We have a few visitors in our midst. Uh, I don't know if we have anyone that we've not met before, but uh, some who are not quite visitors. But uh, good to see you. Good to see some of our sick uh, who have been out to be back with us again today. Uh, If you are have been here most of the morning, you don't know this, but we've had a little bit of computer and technology and live stream trouble this morning. So uh, we hope that it's working now. It maybe want to change my lesson, uh, I think that Satan's most effective tool sometimes is technology, right? When it, uh, when it works, it's great. When it doesn't work, it's not great. Uh, and actually, just uh, a small preview here before we get into it, but there's a little bit of a theme th- of that through the lesson as we think about these things. Uh, but certainly when those don't work, it's kind of difficult, but, uh, uh, but we hope things get going, and we appreciate your patience with those. appreciate Brian. Uh, Travis Heath and others who help us with those kinds of things and uh, we're thankful to be here thankful to Don for the singing leading us in singing in such a great way I appreciate Jeff and his thoughts as he always does such a wonderful job of preparing uh, some things for us to think about and Heath for his prayer always uh, wonderfully worded and beautiful prayers not just on on my behalf or my family's behalf but just uh, to lead our minds for a few moments as we go before the throne of God Uh, to offer up our petitions. We appreciate these men leading us in such a way. Uh, We hope that you'll be back with us again this afternoon. If you noticed the title of the lesson this morning, that was the title of the AM lesson a couple of weeks ago when I uh, sort of got sick in the middle of the night and was not able to be here. Uh, The lesson this afternoon is a little different. They had kind of been connected a little bit, uh, not necessarily on purpose, but they were. But I went ahead and changed uh, this afternoon's lesson from what it was supposed to be on May the 1st. Uh, But I didn't want to go back and catch this one because I'd been thinking about it for some time. It kind of comes from an article by our brother Jack Wilkie. Many of you uh, know of Jack's work because we share in it a lot here. Uh, Charles and I talk about it a lot and uh, try to offer up that as a suggestion to you. Uh, Some of his primary work besides being a minister is with uh, the Focus Press organization, Dr. Brad Harb and those guys there. Uh, But also he and a couple of friends, well his brother for one and another friend have gone into a podcast that's uh, called Think Deeper. Uh, you can find it on Facebook. You can find it on almost all podcast platforms, uh, but the Think Deeper podcast is very challenging. It's very good if you're a person who drives a lot or just likes to listen to things while you work around the house or, or exercise. It's very encouraging. A lot of the work that they're doing there at Focus Press, Think Magazine, and now this Think Deeper uh, podcast. You know, as time goes by, I think it's just true that the more fake Our world becomes. You think about our modern food. Some people don't even want to partake of it. They kind of have special diets or special things because our modern food sometimes is is very fake, maybe pumped full of chemicals. Some of it lacks in nutritious value. Uh, It's bottled up and boxed up so that it's easy to sell and easy to move. But, of course, many of us, as we even have our own gardens and things sometimes, would say that sometimes our modern food is fake. We think about our modern money. I don't know, it sometimes hurts my brain to think about, but, but you kind of think about the way that the economic system works and the idea that our money just seems to be printed sometimes maybe with no, no backing. It, we, somebody might even call that faith. We think about modern science sometimes. It's not that science is fake. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe that. But sometimes modern science, so to speak, holds sway under political ideas or financial sway. And so what is promoted as science sometimes might be fake just because of who's maybe promoting what they want to offer. We think about politics. Modern political discourse, of course, is often hyper-focused on immaterial things. Uh, and it's blind to the true, truly weightier matters. You think about politicians, and as we ramp up sometimes to election cycles, not maybe even locally, but certainly in a national sense. It's very frustrating because we see things we think need to be taken care of, but yet all the discussions and debates happen about all these other things that don't seem to, to even impact us sometimes in some way. Even our modern sexual ideas. Think about the idea of pornography. It's It's fake. So many people get caught up to that in such a way, but it it goes outside of God's boundaries of sex within marriage between a husband and a wife, and it just creates this fake atmosphere that many people buy into, and yes, even some might argue our schooling. And the way that it's run now and and all the things that have to be done, all the hoops that have to be jumped through, we're thankful for our teachers. We really are. We're thankful for those who work with our children. And I think many are trying to do the right thing. But once again, sometimes it's easy with the way that politics is involved and so many modern things are involved for it to feel sometimes like it's fake. The first word in your outline, if you have your outline in front of you, is that all of these share one thing in common, And I see now how dark that red came out, I apologize, but the word is fake. Uh, Jeff leaned over to me as we were getting started, and he had a whole list of words he had already guessed was going to fit into those first few blanks. But the first one is fake. All of those things that we talked about, and sometimes so much more, they tend to be fake. And it makes sense then that sometimes in our life today, again, as we kind of get back to that common thread or theme of technology Some of the more abstract things in life are fake. We think about popularity today, social status today are largely decided sometimes by some social media algorithm that is fake. Billions of friendships in which we see a post from each other from time to time makes us think that we are friends. Now, we're all connected here in some way, and I think we're friends But if you were to go through your friend list on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or something like social media, you might realize that you've got a lot more people that you would say are a friend or call a friend. Or again, actually on Facebook, they're your friends. But you don't actually have a relationship with them. Those friends, we might say, in a sense, are fake. Plenty of what counts as church membership sometimes. Simply choosing the place you like best. Going to that place until they offend you and then moving somewhere else, or or this church can't match what this church offers. Even church membership can be fake. Much of what is now considered fact in our world today is based on emotion, really. It's based on shouting other people down and counseling, or excuse me, canceling, canceling any opposition. All that is fake. And all, as it all begins to pile up, it gets harder and harder to climb over the mountain of fakeness to reach that which is really real, truly real. Notice the characteristics that are shared almost universally in all of these fake offerings. They are easy, is the second word in your outline, and they are convenient. Fake, easy, and convenient. All of these things choose cheap. Instant gratification, rather than putting in the time to cultivate that which is lasting and value. The way that we simply like someone's post, or again, the way we interact on social media sometimes, is a way in which it can cater to laziness and selfishness, incentivizing us to take life as it is handed to us. They turn us, all of these things turn us into passive customers of life, rather than active producers. Rather than people who are spreading around God's life-giving purpose. Now it's true that when we speak of worldliness, when we speak of worldliness, the conversation typically turns to the idea or ideas and actions that infiltrate the Christian life. That infiltrate the Christian home, the individual, the church. And how these big actions and ideas must be resisted. That's true. When we talk about worldliness, we sometimes talk about what is attacking us, and that's a valuable discussion for sure. However, what is lacking sometimes is the idea that we simply need a positive focus. Yes, we must avoid the sinful things that kind of seem to beat down on us. Yes, we must avoid the TV shows and the movies and the websites and all these things that are trying to pull us away from serving God. We are in need of being constantly vigilant, against those influence that would make us conform to the world. But but what we must also do is actively pursue the path of living that God has laid out for us in his word. As long as we are sort of conforming to this passive, consumeristic, fake lifestyle that we're all herded into, we will not show the world a higher, holier calling. Think about that for just a moment. I mean, we know that social media is a way of outreach. We try to use that in some ways here with the Saudi Church to use social media to tell people what's going on, to try to reach out to those who are lost. But but also, some of us individually get caught up in following the herd, doing what everybody else is doing, and yes, even showing sometimes our sinful lifestyles that go along with what everybody else is doing, as opposed to being holier to this uh, tuning to this holier calling. I know a lot of times when people use that phrase, well, you're being holier than thou, that's negative. And yes, it can be in a prideful sort of arrogant sense, but we are supposed to be holier than the world. And if we don't be careful about these things, we will leave ourselves and our families and our children susceptible, vulnerable to the worldliness that is always creeping in. If we aren't growing more like Christ, then we're moving in the opposite direction, no matter how slow that movement may be. You may have heard public speakers or uh, encouraging speakers who say things like, you know, we're never still. And I think that's kind of this idea here that if we're not moving towards Christ, we're not standing still. We're sort of, as we say, backsliding. It may not be a large jump in some kind of terrible, awful, large sin, but we are slowly backsliding away from Christ if we're not moving towards him. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 10, Ephesians 2, in verse number 10, Paul would give us one of Satan's most used tactics. Paul would say, Ephesians 2, 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, one of Satan's most used tactics is to keep us distracted from the good works God wants us to walk in. To do that, by the way, think about this for just a moment. To do that, he does not need to get us dragged down into some scandalous battle with sin. I mean, there are people who struggle with large sins. There are people who commit maybe a large sin of some sort and it's bad and it's awful and it is. But for many people, it doesn't have to be this large thing. It's simply the small things. Satan doesn't have to draw us into this large sin. All he has to do is distract us with the useless things of the world instead of what really matters. I just had an opportunity this week to speak to some preachers and preachers' wives, and the the topic that I was assigned was the idea that we often move from soulmates, and I don't mean that in some star-crossed way like some people talk about, but soulmates, people who are in a marriage together that are connected, we sometimes move from soulmates to roommates in our marriages. And the point is, is that one way that happens is yes, it can be infidelity. Yes, it can be pornography. It might be addiction of some sort. That is absolutely true. It happens to marriages. But for some marriages, all it takes is the little things that go from being soulmates, being t- truly connected to just feeling like roommates, two people who live together, maybe with kids, maybe not, but not really connected. Yes, it's sometimes the big things, but other times it's the n- gentle neglect. It's the small things. In fact, many of you are re- uh, re- familiar with C.S. Lewis's writing, and C.S. Lewis highlighted this phenomenon in his classic, The Screwtape Letters. And writing as the demon Screwtape to his nephew Wormwood, Lewis observed it this way. He said, but do remember the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. That's the way we find ourselves separated from God. Have you ever been in that situation where you've been living such a way and then life gets busy and life gets in the way, and again, before you find yourself and even look around, you are separated from the holy living that God has called you to. You're separated from God, and you don't even know how you got there. The truth of the matter is, is that Satan doesn't need to turn every Christian into an atheist. Satan doesn't need to turn every Christian into an atheist. He's doing a fine job with his strategy strategy to make as many people as possible into mindless consumers who settle for the convenient and accept the world as it is handed to them. When we accept the world as it's handed to us, when we become mindless consumers and just kind of feel like, well, you know what, that's just the way things are going to be. The more that we do that, the more that we have no ambition to shape our lives and the world into the glory of God, he did not have to make us atheists. He did not have to have a world of people that don't believe in God. He's just got to have a bunch of Christians who don't really act like Christians, who don't really follow after God. They just simply sort of blend in with the world. That's all he needs. So the question this morning is, how do we break out of this fake, easy, convenient lifestyle and how do we pursue the real number one we prioritize what matters how do we break out of the fake and pursue the real number one we prioritize what matters consider the sheer value of a human life and how much potential each one holds consider how much God has blessed us with that to take that talent coin so to speak to invest it and return it to him Then consider the tragedy it is to throw all of that away on that which is fake and does not last. How many Christians have the talent? They have the opportunity, they have the ability to do something, to serve God with their whatever it might be. We so often emphasize the public speaking or the teaching or the song leading or the praying and those things are important, but that is not the only way that you can serve God from this stage right here. There are so many things that you can do and so many times we waste our talent and our ability to serve God on the mindless things of the world, spending hours in front of a screen every single night, scrolling social media, binging Netflix or even other things. What? a waste of our times. And yes, without a doubt, I can be very guilty of that too. Spending too much time in the mindless things that don't mean anything. That when I get done, I might go to bed or I might wake up the next day and I have wasted certainly minutes and sometimes hours of my own time doing something that gives me no value. Yes, there is a time for everything, including things like relaxation and vacation. We should plan those things into our schedule. No one is suggesting that you have to be at the building eight hours a day or or 20 hours a day or if you're off work, you should be back here or in the community in those moments doing things every single minute. We need vacation. We need to be with our families. It's great if you serve God, but even with preachers, if you spend all your time, in a sense, serving God or with other people and neglect your family, then you'll have to answer for that. Those things like vacation and relaxation should be built into our schedules, but those are not the purpose of our lives. In order to rise above all this junk and all this mud that we get mired down in, we must have priorities, and we must live like we mean them. And our first priority in life should be to be more like Jesus every day. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, Paul would say, "...for whom he foreknew..." He also predestined to do what? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are to spend our lives being conformed to the image of his son. Also in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, (coughs) excuse me, Galatians 4, 19, Paul would write, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Do you perfectly portray the image of Christ? I sure don't. Should we be striving every day to make our top priority to be more like Jesus? That priority means leading more moral and upstanding lives, yes, but most of all lives that are completely submitted to the Father's will. We should aim to become the people he wants us to become and aim to do the good works that he wants us to do. Our family has just gone through the season of life where there's sports and there are other activities and all these things going on, and we've struggled to maintain the balance sometimes. No one's saying that you shouldn't have your family involved in activities or school or sports and other things. But what is our top priority? I may be a Christian, but if I binged 50 seasons of television under my belt, but I can't name the Ten Commandments, even if we don't live under them today, or if I can't recite the Great Commission, but I can tell you all you need to know about all 12 seasons or whatever it might be, or all 12 movies in some particular series, then maybe it's time for a priority check. We love television sometimes and movies around our house. Hannah and I make it a, a hobby of ours sometimes just to sit down at night and catch Uh, Things like some of the singing competitions on TV or things like that. Again, nothing wrong with just taking some of that in. But if that's all we do or that's the appointment television and Wednesday night or Sunday is not an appointment for us to be at, then maybe it's time we check our priorities. I may go to church, as we say every week, but if I'm living my life as a series of low points to be trudged through until I can get to social media and make these uh, Facebook and Instagram-worthy vacations and pictures, then it's time for a priority check. We were put here for a purpose. Living as though that's the case starts with making sure that our priorities are where they need to be. And of course, I love, as many of you do, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Are we prioritizing what matters? If we want to move away from what is fake, easy, and convenient, which again may be Satan's most effective tool. You don't have to be an atheist. You just got to fall into the mud and the mire with everyone else. If we're going to get out of that, we need to prioritize what matters. Number two, we need to love in deed and in truth. That's that first verse there on the screen. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. John would write as he so often did with the tender care of a parent. And most of you here understand that. Not everyone may not have children, but you were a child of your mother or father. And you understand that tender love with which John speaks when he says, My little children. So how much he cared for them. How much he wanted to write to encourage them. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Words have to mean something. We need to be careful what we say, but as we always say, we can can talk the talk, but we need to walk the walk. A fake world has taught us the habits of fake caring and fake activism, even. If you click like on someone's post about losing a family member, or about a need for prayers, that may seem like we've shown some care for them. Changing a profile picture after a tragedy may feel like we're a part of the cause. But one of the things that makes social media so fake is it's very easy just to click a button or to do something and feel like we've contributed when we've not really done anything at all. Loving indeed and in truth means determining to act in ways that truly matter to others. Fake caring has made, this, has made us wildly overestimate the global impact we can have and even grossly underestimate the local impact that we can have. You might have 1,500 Facebook friends, but there's no way that you can love and serve that many people well. Instead, if we want to break out of the fake and pursue the real, we need to focus on a handful of people in your immediate surroundings. We need to be present in their lives. We need to make the phone call or send the text when you know they're hurting. We need to consider how to stir them up to love and good deeds. In fact, the Hebrew writer says that we know in Hebrews chapter 10, but as I have on the screen here in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, there's the great reminder from the Hebrew writer. He says that caution word, beware, like the road sign that says you're going the wrong way. You better slow down. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But, on the other hand, or maybe in connection, exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, so many people get caught down in the mud. And just like mud, excuse me, mud is kind of, sometimes it's a little wet maybe and it's a little muddy after the rain but what happens when it sort of dries out sometimes right it becomes caked on it becomes hardened and it's even possible to get stuck on your shoes or or get stuck in it the hebrew writer here is saying that one side we have being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin we get caught up in that muck and mire and we get caught in that and we stay that way but the opposite side of that is exhorting one another daily is that clicking like every time i can Maybe that's a little part of it. Is that reaching out with an actual phone call or a text message or a card? Is it making a visit? Is it focusing on just a few people? Because I can like hundreds of thousands of things in just a few moments from my phone or my computer. We need to bear the burdens of others. We need to make a habit of stepping away from the digital connections to put more time into the real life connections. I even saw a post, I guess, last night or this morning. Someone was advertising uh, a Zoom, you know, a Zoom meeting, a Zoom worship kind of thing. And, and we did a little bit of that here for a while during the pandemic. And, and I kind of had that moment where I went, oh, we need to not be doing that anymore. You know, that people, we need to be meeting seeing each other. And then I thought, but you know what? I think one of the things they were promoting with this was the idea that you can meet and talk to people around the world even. So once again, there's good and it can be encouraging to join in with something with other people, but it can also be bad because I may never have a chance to encourage them in any other way. And what we have to do is find the balance. Just like I would tell you, you should not ever take vacation or or relax or have any downtime in your life. I wouldn't say that's evil and you shouldn't do it, but you got to find the balance. I'm not going to tell you that you got to delete your Facebook account or get off social media entirely, but we need to understand as well that we need to love in deed and in truth. And not just with our words or with our digital interactions. Third and finally this morning, we need to get to work. We need to roll our sleeves and get to work. If the fake world is defined by the ease and convenience that it promises us, one of the best ways out of it is by setting our minds to work. Work on your walk with God. It doesn't just happen, right? I'm I'm thankful you're here this morning, but if you walk out those doors and either you leave your Bible here or you leave it in your car all week or you take it home and put it on the shelf, thankful that you're here. But you need to work on your walk with God. It doesn't just happen spontaneously. We need to work on our marriages. Real love is not just a Hollywood fairy tale. Again, I was thankful over the last few days to think about that. With this lesson I put together, to think about the idea that we, when we move sometimes from soulmates to roommates, it's because we've quit putting in the work. We've quit taking the action like we need to take. Work on your parenting. Training up your children. The way they should go take, takes constant vigilance and a healthy dose of the fruit of the Spirit. Most of us know nowadays it doesn't take long with an iPad or a tablet or a phone or a TV around for kids to find their way to any thing and i mean any thing that's a constant vigilance in the physical sense but in the spiritual sense in the daily sense we have to be after these things work on your occupation your job show those around you the diligence of one who walks with god do you remember paul's words in ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 17 he says see then that you walk that's about the third time at least that he's used it in Ephesians chapter five. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. He continues on then, verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to redeem the time. We need to walk in such a way that we are worth that is worthy of our calling. We need to regain a sense of the dominion that God gave Adam in the garden. Work was always in God's plan for us, and it is our duty to make beauty and order come from the good things that he has given us, just as God made beauty and order from that which was formless and void. In a world that is slowly losing love, effort, passion, and care because they cost too much, they take too much effort and time, We are addicted to convenience. We need to commit to showing people God's path is better in every way. And yes, with a commercial that Charles already gave, if you want to work a little bit, you just come see Tom Levi on Saturday morning and he'll show you how he can work circles around people. And that's just, of course, again, in a physical sense. (coughs) Excuse me. As always, remember that we don't work to earn God's love, we work from a place of assurance of his love and grace. And this gives us the fuel that we need to continue to reach higher and higher. One final passage here, and the lesson will be yours. In Revelation chapter 3 and verses 14 through 22, you're familiar that Jesus is finishing up his speaking to the seven churches of Asia. John, of course, is recording these things, but beginning in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus begins this this short letter, if you will, in a sense, to each of the seven churches of Asia, and it finishes in verse number 14 with the letter or the note to the church of the Laodiceans. And what it says essentially is what we talked about earlier, and even what C.S. Lewis was saying there in the screw tape letters. It doesn't require that you become an atheist to be unfaithful to God. It simply requires that you begin to straddle the fence. Those Laodiceans get some of the strongest words, in my opinion, from Jesus in all of Scripture when he says that he would spew them out of his mouth because they are lukewarm. They are neither hot nor cold. He says, I would rather that you would be hot or cold. And we shrug our shoulders and say, what a minute? Wait, Jesus said what? He'd rather us be cold? Simply emphasizing the importance of not being lukewarm. We don't need to be distracted. We don't need to be lukewarm. We don't need to settle for what is fake and easy and convenient. Start developing a disgust for the fake world and really for anything that aims to distract you from becoming the kind of person that God desires for you to become. Fight against that pull of worldliness. It's not just a matter of resistance to vices, although that is certainly part of it, as we said a few moments ago, but it's a resistance to anything that would stand in the way of our growth into who God wants us to be. Set your eyes on Jesus and run with all your might. Let him permeate every facet of your life and show a darkening world what light really looks like. How do we break out of the fake and pursue the real? How do we battle against Satan's most effective tool, that of a life that is just sort of convenient, that is lukewarm? We have to work. We've got to prioritize what matters. We've got to show action. We've got to simply get to work. We can start that even today, and you can start that even right now. The possibility exists in an audience of this size that you're here this morning, you're not a child of God. We were so, so thankful on Wednesday night as Allie made that decision. We were able to enjoy that time here together. Maybe there's someone else here today who's never named the name of Christ, been baptized for the remission of their sins. How does breaking out of the fake and pursuing the real begins? Well, it really begins with committing your life to Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, we'll be singing this song in just a moment to encourage you that you would be willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church. Maybe you're here, but you've done that, but you've wandered away. You've been mired down in the mud, in the fake, in the easy and the convenient, and I wholeheartedly agree once again that that's very easy to do. It can be very easy to be caught up in that. We challenge you this morning with a challenge of heaven's invitation. With well, The challenge of God, that you would, if you are a Christian and you've wandered away, come back to him. Repent of your sins. If it's of a public sense, you'd like to come here to the front. One of our elders will be here in just a moment to assist you. We would love nothing more in this moment than to pray with you and for, and, and for you. If you need to become a Christian or come back to him, even now as we stand together and as we sing.